What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Come At Me, Bro. This is episode 32. I'm one of your hosts, Joey, joined alongside Drew. Oh, it's good to be back. And Tyler. Yeah, Drew, I'm guessing you're back from the pit of misery. Dilly dilly. <laughs> dilly dilly. Uh, Drew, so you were feeling pretty sick, right? Uh, yeah, that last week was not uh, the best week for me or my wife. I think the worst season to get sick is the summer. Yeah, summer flu or summer colds. Like it's, it not only is it miserable outside, but then you're miserable inside, and you just want to be outside. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a weird time to be sick. At least in the winter, when you're sick, you're like, oh, that's fine. I want to be inside and you know under the covers anyway. So this works out. I mean, sick That's sucks, an interesting but, perspective. I'll give you that. But I, you just, I just hate being outside in the summer. You hate anything that's above 70 degrees. So A hundred percent. I can agree I with mean, that. <laughs> except for the oven cooking my food. Yeah. Which, which you think you're always in the oven. So It feels like it. My life is an oven. Speaking of... Um, I'm like a turkey before Thanksgiving. Speaking of ovens, um, I came across this uh, question and I want to ask you guys. Is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> you know, in these long days of summer, uh, where it's just my son and I, who's six months, who doesn't, who talks with his mouth closed and only says coos and cause and has has only had breast milk uh, up until July fourth, where we finally gave him some solid food. Um, I ponder these questions, and so I, I'm just curious, what do you guys think? Uh, that's a no for me, bro. No. Why is that? I think for it to be a sandwich, I mean, you could make the sliced meat argument, but I'm going to make the bun completely detached argument. I think if you split your bun completely in half, then I'll give you a sandwich. If you leave the bun where it's only cut to like, I don't know what they cut it, about halfway, three quarters of the way, I say no, not a sandwich. So Jimmy John's or Subway's not a sandwich is what you're saying. Not Ooh, a full sandwich. That is a what? submarine or a hero. A a a, a submarine sandwich or a no, just hero a submarine sandwich? like the yellow submarine. The I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty submarine. sure the correct term there is sub sandwich. You know, no, that's, I'm pretty sure that's that's, uh, that's how I understand it. <laughs> uh, okay, maybe at Jimmy John's, I just ask for them to cut all the way through my bread. <laughs> no, you don't. Like I need this to be a real sandwich, sir. Please yeah, cut it all um, the way. Please, let's. I know you want to go fast, but let's cut it a little bit further. There, guys, come on. <laughs> No, okay. <laughs> Most hamburger buns are not separated. I don't think I've They're ever not. had a hamburger bun not completely separated. Usually it's like one in the package that isn't. Yeah. Or something. They're connected to each other. Yeah. And I would definitely rip them apart before I allowed my meat to sit on that. But then I the other question goes, is a, hamburg- is a hamburger a sandwich? I, I would give it sandwich qualities, yeah. So so here's here's the thing where we had this conversation at work yesterday because yesterday was National Hot Dog Day. Um, That's why I brought it up. They are technically considered a sandwich, but like a lot of things, they are their own item when it comes to actually categorizing them. Just like every square is a rectangle, but not every rectangle is a square. It's, you know, not every sandwich is a hot dog, but a hot dog is a sandwich. And the where it makes it its own category is the fact that if you take a hot dog off a bun, it's still a hot dog. If you take ham off of a sandwich, it just becomes ham. You take a hamburger off of a bun, it's still a hamburger. So they're both technically sandwiches, but they're also their own thing. 
Well, and it also depends what definition you go by. If we look at Merriam-Webster, a sandwich is either A, two or more slices of bread, or a split roll having a filling in between, or B, one slice of bread covered with food. But if you go to the almighty Wikipedia, a sandwich is a food typically consisting of vegetables, sliced cheese, or meat placed on or between slices of bread, or more generally, any dish wherein two or more pieces of bread serve as a container or wrapper for another food type. That would even make a burrito a sandwich, though. Yeah, or a pizza. Do you think there's a sandwich expert out there? Uh, I'm sure there's a self-proclaimed one. Um, okay, so what about this situation? Because, Joe, you've been you've been giving out these definitions left and right. My wife likes to have an English muffin with an egg mm-hmm. on top. So is that an egg sandwich because it's under one is piece of bread? Is it on top like open face? Yes, it's open face. So it's English muffin and buddy. then egg on top. Uh, that is not a sandwich. That's an open-faced egg. Yeah. That's an open-faced egg. The restaurant man knows his knows his stuff. Uh, and depending on what she has and, with it, it could be something named in French. Well, there's tons of salt and pepper on it. Hmm. On top. Moderate amounts, she says. But Moderate amounts. Yeah, yeah good. She, if she put it in the middle of the English muffin and ate it that way, it would be a sandwich. Because oh, otherwise, yeah. otherwise, biscuits and gravy would then be a sandwich because you've got a biscuit and then you're covering it in something, just like you're covering that in an egg. And then uh, is the egg cage-free or is the egg grass-fed? Okay, I don't think an egg can be grass-fed. <laughs> I know, but I love asking eggs. that. <laughs> Chickens don't eat grass. Good people actually like, answer that and be like, yes, these eggs are grass-fed. I think it's just fun to like loop all of this in all together. I don't is think chickens even free, eat grass. grass-fed, cage-free. Uh, my wife proclaims that chickens need to have a free corn diet. A corn-free diet. A corn-free diet. <laughs> no movies for those for chickens. Freedom, freedom of the corn, so they can't have popcorn, kettle corn, <laughs> cob corn, yellow corn, green corn, blue corn, big corn, red corn, little Dang. corn. Dang. I was going to take Everywhere a chicken with me corn. to see The Lion King this weekend. I guess it's just not going to happen anymore. Just order one of those vests off of Amazon, and it can be your emotional support chicken. Speaking of chickens, is that actually a thing? I don't know. <laughs> yes, Tyler. <laughs> Speaking of chickens, you know who's a chicken? Durant. Durant's a chicken. Durant's a chicken he because though? he is a chicken because he's not going to accept the fact that he can be on the Warriors again. He wants to go to his little East Side Nets, and if I am Kyrie Irving, I. I feel like he's an idiot too, because I th- and and I, people I feel like think Durant's gonna play next year. He's not playing. I think people forget that. No, hundred no, percent no. And so, to me, Durant is like a booger. You want to show up to your friend or taking a picture of poop in the toilet and be like, "Look at my giant poop!" And then they just flush it down the toilet because he can't play for this year. So it's pretty much pointless. On I, I don't know if I quite make that comparison. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. So I, I, I don't know. I feel like he's good. I, I think the biggest question mark for me, not only is he not going to play this season, but how is he going to recover? Like, I already have Achilles issues myself, and I'm not even a big athlete. Like, when you're a giant athlete like Kevin Durant, where your whole career is based on how well you perform in certain situations— my question is, how is he going to recover from that? Same question I had when people like the Phillies signed Bryce Harper to 15 years. Like, why are we going to guarantee a giant contract to someone when injuries are so prevalent in major athletics? That's the big question mark to me. So I think with KD, 
specifically him, he's one of those guys that even if after, you know, this entire next season that we know he's not going to play, um, and when he comes back, even if he's only at 60%, let's say, he's still better than 90% of the league at that point. Um, you're, you're still getting a great fundamental player. Um, and if you have a guy like, like Kyrie Irving that can really run it around, KD doesn't have to be moving as quickly as he usually does at that point. He can build up all season and, you know, by the end of the year, be back to who he was. Because that's realistically what it's going to take. It's about two years to recover from this. So he misses all of this season. By the end of the season after that, he's back to more or less KD. No, he's not more or less KD. I mean, you looked at what he did, what he, how he performed in the finals game with with an injury. I don't think he's going to be KD. I think he's going to be K half a D. Uh, he's not going to be the full KD he will that that people proclaim he will be. I think I don't think he'll ever get to the point where he was before because he's only getting older. Yes, he'll have two years of rest, but he's not like a running back in the NFL where rest helps. In basketball, as you get older, you have to be more dynamic, and LeBron's finding that out, having to take more jump shots rather than driving in the paint because he's getting so nicked up. And KD does have the jump shot, but can he move and jump with half an Achilles? I think he becomes an above-average. He doesn't become a superstar as he was before, but he becomes an above-average player. But people, I think, still have the have the um, perception that he's going to be back 100% super super duper all-star. That's not possible. Well, I, I, I also think there's a, a KD effect there that, you know, just him being back on the floor and even showing flashes of his own old self will raise the confidence of a team around him and will, will make them play better. You know, that, that, that happens in, in pretty much any sport where you have a player who is coming back and, and is inspiring people again uh, when, when they were already a big leader like he was. So I, I think that's going to have an impact here too. Maybe maybe he's not 100% the old KD ever again, but the the psychological impact that he has on his team and on his opponents will, will still be there. Uh, I think it's right. ingrained enough in the NBA psyche at this point that that's not going to go away. And I think I'm right in between you both on that one. I think Tyler's right in the sense that he's never going to be the performer he once was. But Drew also makes a great point. He's going to bring that leadership to the locker room as well as that intimidation to opponents. On top of that, I mean, you're also bringing the brand name that Kevin Durant carries as well. He has so much experience in the league. He has such a huge fan base of people who purely just watch him no matter what team he's on. And he's going to sell a hell of a ton of jerseys. So I think that's another big reason that they ended up shelling out the cash for him as well. Speaking of jerseys, Remind me of jerseys, but he's not going to be a leader. He wasn't a leader with Harden at OKC. He wasn't a leader with – in the NBA, there are really no leaders except if you're playing with LeBron. I, mean, I don't know Le- about that. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I mean, other for LeBron or Kawhi, and I'm a little disappointed in Kawhi because he, he literally pulled a LeBron and pulling Paul George. But KD, I don't think, is the leader that you make him out to be because a lot of players are individual individuals. They're individuals because they pull each other to different teams and say, come join my team. Okay, I'll be on your team. And then they start hashing it out and saying, who's who's number one? Who makes more money? Give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. And you end up with a divide. And this is what happened with, you know, the Golden State Warriors with or even the, the big three. Or the, I mean, or the Cavaliers or, you know, it, there's so many teams. They, they come together for a couple of years. They try to win a championship. They figure out it doesn't work or, you know, something doesn't click right and they go somewhere else and make more money 
There's no leadership I mean, in the NBA. At some point, though, I mean, that's kind of the way the business works. If you go and get money because you know you're going to get let go eventually or a team's going to trade you or do whatever eventually. I don't I don't begrudge guys who decide to go somewhere else to get paid, um, especially after they've done whatever it was they set out to do. You know, KD came to the Warriors to win a championship, and he did it. Um he took less money to do that, so I don't blame him for now taking the chance to get paid somewhere and to be the guy somewhere after coming and being more or less the sixth man. You know, I know he wasn't really, but that's kind of how he ended up playing, especially the year they won it. Uh, you know, he really didn't do a whole lot during the season, and then he became the guy in the postseason. So I, I don't I don't begrudge guys who do that after some period of time when it's clear they need to do something else, but... You do have a point about there not being a lot of... You, you don't have a lot of guys who become the Peyton Manning of a team or the Tom Brady of a team who who kind of strategizes and carries and, and makes a team better by lifting everyone up in every way, not just by playing well on the court and enabling other people to do what they're supposed to do. There, there's an extra level of that that you don't see as much in the NBA. I think you're right. Well, who was able to do that was Kawhi this year. Yeah, and that he made that, that to team me, better. I mean, yeah, he, without a doubt, um, the worst position to have in the NBA is general manager right now because it's a players' mm-hmm. league, and no, no, I mean that that that's exactly why Washington Wizards still don't have a general manager because no one, no wants, one wants no one wants it because it's run by the players, and so when something's run by the players, you don't need anybody to build teams anymore. I mean, you need to attract guys. Say, hey, come here and play with this player, or come here and we have the best sushi in D.C. I I, I don't know, but you you don't want to be a general manager in the NBA because of how bad well, it is. So so Joe, so I I want. Well, go ahead, Drew. I was just gonna say, and and you see some of the guys who are general managers or owners, and you just have to wonder what the heck is wrong with them. Uh, but we can talk about the Knicks and the Hornets some other time. So go ahead. <laughs> Joey, so you mentioned contracts. Are you more of a long-term guy or a short-term guy or a mediocre guy? Or does it just depend on the sport and the player? What do you? What is your – you said you're not a long-term guy. Um, what does that mean? I mean, it really it depends on a whole bunch of factors. Like, who am I in this situation? Am I the player? Am I the coach? Am I the director of that particular operation? Am I the owner? You are a general manager for the Washington Wizards. They just hired you. Okay. I'm fine with certain contracts. I think 15 years for Bryce Harper is way crazy. I don't see an issue with three to five year range. Does that... um, But for a good player, like a Bryce Harper or a Kevin Durant or a Lionel Messi or a, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell... Are you trying to have him stay forever? Would I keep him forever? Yeah. No, I wouldn't keep any player forever. Unless it's like a Mariano Rivera. That is the only type of player I think I would ever keep forever. I mean, even like a Michael Jordan, he saw his downfall. Look at how well he played on the Wizards. I mean, overall, it's so hard to find a player that you really want to keep that long term forever. Nor does a player really want to stay in a lot of situations. I mean, you have those one-offs where a player will play with that organization for their whole time there. They grow really strong with the fan base, really strong with the organization. 
They sell tons of jerseys. They end up making a great profit for themselves and for the organization. But I feel like those are so few and far between that I probably wouldn't sign a contract, at least up front. If I keep extending a guy, he's three to five years over and over and over. That's a different story than signing someone for 15, 20 years up front. Right, because you get to you get to reevaluate your needs. You get to reevaluate their value in the market. Right. Those 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 shorter deals are, and you're seeing that a little more in the NBA now too. You know, quarterbacks were getting these super long deals, and now they're getting down to these three to five year deals where they can reevaluate if they're still playing at their te- level, if they want to go somewhere else, if the team wants to do something with them. You're you're definitely seeing that more in every sport, uh, except maybe baseball. Um, right. I would, yeah. if I was a general manager, I would try to make as many incentives for the player to reach and sign that mm-hmm. player. And, and now the players, players going to look at guaranteed money, but I would make kind of incentives like, Hey, you average, you know, you, you play 60 games and you average 25 points a game. Then you get an extra boost to your salary. You know, you complete a number of touchdowns, you score a number of, uh, points, you hit a number of threes, nor free throws. Those are the many incentives I would occur in the contract. And say, listen, you're going to put your money where the mouth is, but most players are going to say, where's my guaranteed money? Exactly, and that's the key. Because you got to get the player to sign in the end. So I think that stuff is great, and ideally, like, coming from a teacher background, like the teacher background you come from, it makes sense to throw incentives in there. It makes sense to have people build up to be able to evaluate them over time. Same with me in rec sports. But... We're talking about prima donnas here. A lot of these guys really don't care about that. If you can catch a player young, an up-and-coming player that no one really sees coming, not like a Zion Williamson, but like a lower-tier player coming up from the college level that you see a lot of potential for growth in, then I think there's potential to run a system like that. You say, hey, we'll give you this chunk up front. You get these through incentives, and you can really build that player up through your organization. But again, the NBA is a hard league to do that in. This is very much prima donna in comparison to a lot of the other leagues out there right now. So are, are you would you rather be the Warriors or the Nets situation? Uh I can't say I like either one of them at the moment too much. Uh I would say the Warriors though. True. <sighs> <laughs> Drew's really enthused by that question too. I'm just not sure. I Expectations are a lot higher for the Warriors, uh, even though this year they're going to look so much different. I mean, you do still have Steph Curry, uh, who's going to help you at least win a bunch of games, even if you don't get all the way to the championship again. Um, But they're going to be so different that it wouldn't shock me if they kind of dropped. Whereas the Nets, no one's going to be looking too seriously at them this year because they're going to wait for the year after when KD comes back. So any kind of success they have this year, at least, is kind of... I don't want to say surprising, but it's, it's gravy. Because uh, even if they flame out in the playoffs or even miss the playoffs this year, everyone's thinking it's fine. We'll have KD next year, and then we'll be good. So I, I think right now I'd rather be the Nets just because there's really not a lot of ways this year can go bad for you. Yeah, but they're not going to do anything either. I, I mean, if you look at Golden State, yeah, you lose Durant. Yeah, you're shifting some players around here and there. But Klay Thompson re-signed as well. D'Angelo Russell's moving that way too. Like, Golden State is still going to be a playoff team, in my opinion. And I think, yeah, it's not going to be the highest quality. They're not probably going to have a cakewalk to the finals like they have in recent years. But at the same point, I still think they are a team that can compete. And if I'm playing at the highest level, I want to be competing. I want to have a chance at that championship. I think Brooklyn has a lot harder road to go. Well, Brooklyn doesn't have a harder road to go because they're in the East. So they're, they're still in the playoffs. 
Right, but, but who are they going to take down in the West? They're more like the East, the weak East. Um, who are they going to what? Take down in the West? Right. I like the West team is most likely going to win out anyway. Most people are already putting their money on that. Yeah, but what do you? Okay, from the Warriors' perspective, I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs. You That's don't think pop- they're gonna make playoffs? That's a popular opinion right now. I think they're I gonna think they'll make playoffs. I think they're gonna pull LeBron, uh, where they're not gonna have any depth. They have no one coming from the bench. They have maybe Delangelo Russell, who, who knows if he'll show up? I mean, he, could, Curry. If they do make the playoffs, Curry is a All Star. He's a superstar. I mean, he already is to a certain extent. Right. He got him to as far as they could, and then he couldn't do anything once he met a guy named Kawhi Leonard. But he's got to do it for a whole season now. He can't just do it for the playoffs. And that's going to be put a lot of pressure on him, um, similar to what LeBron had to go through. And LeBron found out very quickly the West is no joke. There's actually teams in the West who can play. For example, the Los Angeles Clippers. Houston Rockets, Denver Nuggets. Who's who's going to be the number one seed? Over, who's going to be the number one seed? The Pelicans, as my wife says. Now that they have all the young people that the Lakers got rid of, I wouldn't be surprised if the late if the Pelicans made it over the Warriors. Uh, I don't know. One of those young guys is Lonzo Ball, and I'm still not convinced that he's <laughs> uh, he's going to do anything for them at all. Um, first, they'll have to just stay on the court. Um, and that's going to be a challenge. Uh, and as much as I like Zion, and as much as I think he is going to be a fantastic player in the NBA, I don't know how much this year is going to to be it, because now he's going to have to play with other people who can compete with him, uh, in both in size and strength, and surpass him in those categories. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to that. Uh, he'll definitely have to... I don't want to say get in shape because he's obviously not like out of shape, but he's he's not quite in NBA shape yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he responds to some of those physical challenges and what changes he makes. But uh, I do think they'll make the playoffs. Uh, I definitely think the Pelicans will make the playoffs. There is just a bunch of raw young talent on that team, and I know there's some pretty hungry players in that organization. But I don't know. I I don't know if I can say that I picked them over the Warriors, but. I don't know. It, I'm I'm really excited about this NBA season all of a sudden because it's it's suddenly such a different landscape everywhere. I mean, do you like that in the NBA? Do you like having this crazy trade off and players going wherever the heck they want and then putting the reset button? Because this is we haven't had this reset button in a long time since uh, Curry, Durant, and uh, Thompson got together and Boogie, whatever you know, cousins, but. <laughs> I mean, do you like yeah, this I, reset button? I, I like that. I like I like things in the league to kind of be cyclical, I guess is the best word for it. Um it's it's good for things to kind of split apart and let let players separate out, let new talent start to really step up, let let new teams make some different decisions that enable them to to be that next dynasty and and kind of see how things go. Um it's it's good, you know. You had, at one point, the Spurs looked like they were always going to be the top team, and obviously they were still competitive last year, but uh, they're suddenly not really a threat to win the championship anytime soon. Um, You know, it was the Bulls at one point in the 90s. 
you had like the Pistons in the t- early 2000s. You know, you, you always have these teams that emerge with a couple really dominant players. And when it kind of became everyone versus the Warriors, instead of there being a really legitimate challenger, it got kind of boring. And so it's good to to build some new rivalries and, and get some new fan bases out there instead of everyone either cheering for or against one team. And then you're going to have more fans spreading out and, and kind of, give the league a chance to grow everywhere instead of just in, in one state or one city. Yeah, I, I mean, the NBA standings have pretty much had like the opposite effect of the MLS standings. NBA is one or two dominant teams have really just crushed the competition in recent years. The MLS, on the other hand, because the players are all owned by the league itself, they even everything out way too much so everyone can beat everyone, which, yeah, it's fun here and there, but you also don't see any real superpower being formed. Yeah, I think That's the big issue I have with both too. leagues. What's that? Seven. This is, this is going to be a completely separate conversation for another time, but I, I, I really believe that that stunts players' growth in the MLS also. Oh, 100%. And that's why you see the, even the American team itself, like the United States men's team, sending people over to Europe because they know that. They know the academy system is so much better over there. The ability to grow as a player is so much stronger over there. And I hate the MLS model because of it. But it's the opposite with the NBA. I mean, the NBA, you have these overpowered teams because these players have come together. Like Tyler said, the GMs are losing power in this league. And because of that, these overpowered teams, and it's like, okay, who's going to win this year? Uh, the Golden State Warriors was pretty much everyone's guess the last couple of years. Never wrong. It almost came to fruition, every one of them. Yeah, sure we were. Wrong. <laughs> uh, I have two things. In a, one, First thing. In a league, in a in a in a sport, in a league, is, in a league that was once a long, long time ago. <laughs> uh, in order for a league to be successful, you have to have a good guy and a bad guy. The MLS, right. there's not really any bad guys. There's a, just a bunch of you know, there's Ibrahimovic um, and Wayne Rooney, but there's no personalities. In baseball, there was personalities with Bryce Harper making baseball not fun again, and now these giant contracts. With Machado and um, in in the NBA, I mean, you can see their personalities, you know, by going to different teams, by conquering and then getting divided because personalities are not so. And, and then and then with the NFL, you have Tom Brady, him against all the uh, the entire NFL. So you have to have these kind of good guys, bad guys, to make the league interesting. And right now the MLS has no one to do that because, like you said, everyone owns the league. And um, with the NBA, they have the personalities to do that. Right. But the catch in beyond that is it's not just an individual player thing. What we've seen in a lot of our leagues is that the team itself develops a personality. The New England Patriots are the real – everyone hates them. They are the enemy of every other team. I mean, that's what Golden State Warriors became. The problem was was that there were just not enough heroes at the time. Everyone is fighting against them, but they're all just minuscule. And you have the Titans running over everyone because Hercules is never showing up in the NBA. I really thought you went into the NFL all of a sudden with the Tennessee Titans. And I was super confused. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I kind of merged. I was like, a I was like they were running over anybody. I don't know what season you were watching. Well, but... <laughs> Derrick Henry at the end of the what week sixteen or something. <laughs> yeah, that that massive run of his. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> yeah, you you brought it around that it made sense. But as soon as you said Titans, I immediately went to the NFL because I mean we are talking sports. Yeah, I went a little so. Disney there, a little Hercules. Speaking of, um, I mean, what make ba- what make baseball interesting is if you divided those who took steroids and put them on a team, and then those who didn't have steroids 
and see if they, you know, see who would win. That would make life a little more interesting. But speaking oh, I can of tell you who'd win. <laughs> speaking of getting run over, um, did you guys see the Josh Norman like Instagram? No. Oh yeah. He running went running with the Bulls, El Toros. Uh, yeah. in España. And so if you're a general manager, do you say anything to Josh Norman? I mean, it's you know, the Redskins. Uh, the they're just thankful <laughs> to have anyone with any sort of talent on the team, so they'll let him do whatever he wants. <laughs> I mean, he's getting paid $11 million. Yep. And that is your number one cornerback hopping over uh, a bull. Not bull poop, but a bull. A live, wild animal. Mm-hmm. You, you think there's a problem with that? Is I there mean, a problem with that? Should there be a problem with that? It's another one of those things I feel like that's a case-by-case basis, maybe. Like, if he wants to do this every year, I think that becomes a problem. Um, If there's something in his contract that says, if you go and do this and you get gored by a bull, we don't owe you your salary, then I think it's fine also. Um, But it is something that he said for a a long time that he wants to do. And he's got to kind of do it while he's still young and able to, you know, dodge bulls. So if there is a conversation about it and such, I don't have a problem with it. It's if he just did it on his own and, you know, the Redskins found out on the news with everybody else, then I think there's a problem with it. Because at some point you are an employee for this company. Um, You do have to make some decisions that can impact the company. You have to think about them and, and respect them. Uh, it's not just you. You you are an employee who has to do a job. So as long as there's a conversation, I don't have an issue with it. Also, as long as he doesn't plan to do this every year in perpetuity. Joey, would you ever run with the Bulls? Hell no. <laughs> Language, please. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, how, Okay. if I said I'd, I'd pay you $100, go run with the Bulls. No, I mean, I'd you, say I'd shoot that bull and eat it. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, I'm going to call PETA. Think about... Uh, Think of all those people. I mean, do you do you know the situation I'm talking about? What have the you running seen of the bulls? No, no, no. Have you seen the video like of him jumping it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So if I said you had to be in there for five minutes, five whole minutes, you know, mm-hmm. with all those people, one or two bulls in there, and I'll pay you a thousand dollars, would you do it? Are you also paying for me to get there and to stay there? Yeah, sure. Then yes. Okay. What if I said? I'm not paying for you to be there. No, but I pay. But, I, but, but I'll not, pay. It's gonna it's gonna cost okay, me more money to get there the than I would to win. Get there and stay no, there. No, 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 a thousand bucks. You can get there for easily five hundred. Yeah, and then you got the hotel fees and the food. Plus food, yeah. Plus potential medical expenses. Okay, say that's all covered. Okay. Would you do it for free? No. Okay. Would you do it for a hundred bucks? No. Five hundred. Yes. I'm a ten thousand kind of dollar oh guy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I'm more the person for. that would like to own the arena where the bullfighting is happening as opposed oh. to being down there myself. Yeah, there Joey wants to get... get sued for a death. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's much better. Then I can have my lawyers take care of things. Oh my gosh. No, there's no way I'm getting in a pit with bulls. Uh, now, Josh Norman on the other side here, he apparently did, obviously, here from the video, and I think it's an idiotic move from his part in the sense that I would hope Carolina had, or not Carolina, where is he, the Redskins now? Uh, they had something in their contract regarding this. No, I don't know if they did. I haven't read anything up on it. But the other side is, because he did so well, I think you bring in fans from this. I think you might pull in Spanish NFL fans if they find a way to continue their expansion into Europe. 
Probably. Uh, good luck with that. I'm apparently they're praising him like a god, according to five articles. <laughs> I'm sure he's eating that up, uh, diva. <laughs> he the Redskins deserve him. That's all I have to say. Uh, the Washington racial slurs, another oh my class gosh. act. Yeah. Maybe they'll change the name to the Bulls. Hmm. The Washington racial Bulls. Washington <laughs> Bull Hoppers. Hey, bull I like hoppers. that. <laughs> <laughs> the Washington Gourds. Oh my gosh. Is there any other NBA stuff or NFL stuff we want to talk about? Oh, I do. I have one more topic. Let's end on this one. Odell Beckham. So, Odell Beckham here, he's now on the Cleveland Browns. I've seen this discussion come up a lot now. Who is the winner here? The league having to play against Odell Beckham still or the Cleveland Browns? Okay, how did they phrase it? The Cleveland Browns now have Odell Beckham. The big thing behind Odell Beckham is he has so many issues off the field or potentially on the side of the field with nets and different things like that Hmm. because of the anger issues and the locker room drama. Are the Cleveland Browns winners or losers in this situation? You're going to pull in a high-caliber player, but on the opposite side, he is also known to divide locker rooms from certain perspectives. Certain players say he's great to be with. Other owners and players say he might not be that great to be with in certain situations, depending on how many balls he's getting thrown. So if you're the Cleveland Browns right now, did you win or lose this particular move? You win. You 100% win. No player. No, no, no. No player is the greatest or good if he divides locker rooms. He's a hack. The guy is a, just a total basket case working to implode and put his put his grinchy attitude over all of the Cleveland Browns locker room. So he's a plague. The guy, all he does is make misery into the pit of misery. He puts the pit of misery into misery and over and over and over again. Not know what I'm saying there. But, uh, I mean, easily, I as a general manager – I don't care if you are the fastest in the world, you have the best hands, you're not coming into my locker room. I can deal with I can deal with better people than than what he is. Go back to your winning, Drew. Hmm. Oh, okay. So, yeah, no. They they 100% win having Odell Beckham Jr. One, you've barely been relevant in the last all of your existence since the team came back uh, in the late 90s. Um You've, you've shown now that you're starting to get some stuff figured out, but you still need some help. And then you get one of the most dynamic receivers in the league who is still young and growing. Um, that's obviously part of his issues is the fact that he is still just very young and immature. Um, and then you pair him with someone who I think is going to be one of the best leaders that the league is going to have in Baker Mayfield, who is also young and still learning and still growing, but has already shown his ability to to grow a team, to build a team, to spark a team. He did it in college. He did it last year as soon as he took over uh, at halftime of whatever game of the year that was. Uh, They were suddenly a force. This is a guy who knows how to get dudes to calm down, get dudes to listen, get dudes to commit themselves as best as they can. And it's a natural gift that he has, and he's only going to grow it. And then I think the other thing that we're overlooking here is the fact that uh, before he had Baker Mayfield, who is someone who is more or less his age, he was having to listen to Eli Manning uh, and a very, very incompetent Giants front office. Uh, I think anybody would act out in that situation if they have the talent that he has and you're having to listen to, you know, grandpa who uh, who's still lost in the 60s 
and Eli Manning, who is still lost in the shadow of his brother. I mean, there was no and one for him to respect there. There's there's no one there for him to respect. He's not getting that connection of, I'm going to sound like one of those people, but he is very much a millennial. And even though Eli Manning is technically in that age range where he might be considered a millennial, he's not a millennial. And there has always been a disconnect between those two groups. And when you get something like sports and the attitudes and the way people approach the game, you've got to have some connection on those things. And they were never going to have that connection. He's now on a team that is very young, has a lot of leadership already on that team, but it's still a young team. And it has the attitude that he wants. And that's going to be what focuses him and makes him deadly this year. He's still going to have issues. He's still growing. I, I'm not saying he's not going to have any sort of meltdown on the sidelines or anything, but I think he wants to be with this team. I think he's going to want to succeed, and a lot of those distractions are going to go away because he's going to be having fun. He's going to be enjoying what he's doing, and it's going to help him grow. I 100% agree with Drew, and the only other point I think I would add is look at the city difference, too. You're going from New York, the huge limelight of New York, pretty much the Los Angeles of the East Coast. So many eyes are on you. The city in and of itself is huge, has a giant sports following. Now you're moving out to Cleveland. Cleveland, where the Browns have sucked for years and you've still had loyal fans. I think that is going to be a big difference maker as well, just the city and the environment that the fans build around it. All right, so since you guys are all joining the Cleveland bandwagon, uh, I need one <laughs> number of the number of wins they're going to have this season. Joey. Uh, what? I haven't seen their schedule at all. I, I, I don't care about their schedule. You guys are making a big point in saying how good they're going to be and how they're up and coming and they're growing. I want you to tell me a number of the wins they will receive or get or, or get this year. How many wins are they going to have? You want to give us an over-under? Uh, it's just hard without the schedule. No, 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 no. You know who they play, you know who they play twice? Play yes. Right. I have no idea who they're out of conferences, though. And Ravens. Uh, they play the Bills. They play, they play the AFC East. They play the Bills is a win. The Bills, the Jets. <laughs> huh? I, I mean, what is it, 16 games in a season? I'll give yeah. them 9 or 10. So, okay, so okay, the over-under is 8. I'll so go over. over eight. Definitely over. 100% over. Yeah, I'll go over. I was going to go up to 11, so definitely Oh, over. my gosh. I'll take between 8 and 11. I'll take 11 up. <laughs> okay. They'll have, you going to take below 8, Ty? Uh, I'm going 8 or lower. Okay. Wow, look at that. We're all, all over the place. <laughs> Just like Baker Mayfield will be spreading that field later this yep. season. Yep, write okay. this down. This is going to be fun to talk about in eight months when the year is over and <laughs> no we're celebrating Cleveland's crazy Super Bowl win that none of us predicted. No. Well, hey, I mean, some of us could get knocked out early, Mr. 11 or more over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. as soon as they've lost six, that's it. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Speaking of out, that is going to wrap us up for this episode of Come At Me, Bro. This is episode 32. You can hit us up on Twitter at CAMB Podcast or shoot us an email CIMB podcast at otnmedia.org. We'd love to answer any questions, comments, anything like that. Shoot them over there. We'd love to talk about them on the show. Please send us emails or tweets because we really want to talk about them and we can't have a segment unless you guys send them on over. Last but not least, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash OTN. If you'd like to support the community, you can do so there. 
Any support is very much appreciated. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next week. Always got to protect the McNuggets. This podcast is part of the Overtime Network. Get more at OvertimeNetwork.com.